This is Adam Lightman Bailey, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Jennifer Rodarte with Compass, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hey, this is Lane Johnson representing Compass and Aspen, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Wider Brothers of Compass in the D.C. metro area, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. This is Naomi Klein representing the Compass office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Thank you for joining, and thank you for listening, as always. Uh, Today, I am honored to have one of the uh, top L.A. agents in the in the states join us Ari Offshar. Ari just to give you uh, I, I could spend the whole day going through his resume uh, but in short Ari is the founding agent of Compass in LA. Uh, he is native of Beverly Hills. Going back to his early years Ari co-founded his own agency back in 2008 uh, where he co-founded his boutique agency focusing on distressed property markets. After negotiating thousands of notes with lenders Ari was then uh, selected as uh, the uh, one of eight real estate agents nationwide on Bank of America's Realtor Roundtable. He's also succeeded as the founder and CEO of multiple social media marketing, real estate web development, and mobile app building companies. Since 2014, Ari's been involved in hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate deals. Uh, he's been featured in publications such as Forbes, LA Times, Yahoo Entertainment, Curved, LA, Architectural Digest, and The Real Deal. The list goes on. Uh, I could talk about you all day, but uh, I just want to say thank you for joining and welcome. I want to say that I'm so happy to be here. It's always great to see you. I know these are different times. <laughs> Love seeing you in person. Yeah. Obviously, you're in New York. I'm in LA, but I'm just glad to see you're healthy. You're doing well. I hope everyone out there is doing well, too. And um, yeah, this is the new news. So let's... Yeah, uh, let's yeah no, thanks for that. And you're definitely hit harder than any other city in the States. So it's a different, a different world in New York City. Uh, but what's going on? So listen, I, I really wanted you on today because not, not only as one of the top brokers in your market, but you know, to, to dis- discuss the market today as, as it relates to the COVID-19 crisis. So you know, just to start off with, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm happy that you're healthy. You, you seem healthy. It looks like you lost a little weight. Uh, weight, goo, goo, you know, I got a little lazy with the razor. And so I've been, you know, just kind of hanging out, man, you know, just, just right. taking it one day at a time. And, and your kids are home from school for the rest of the year or is it just the school year? Yeah, no, the rest of the year, they've been out of school <laughs> for about a month and a half. So it's, How are you it's, dealing with that? You know, it's such a blessing in, in so many ways because like the time that I've spent away from them, I'm now able to fully you know, just connect with them on a completely different level. All the years of me whining and complaining about not getting enough family time, you know, God had a different plan. And so now I am, uh, I'm just able to, to connect in such an awesome way and get to know them a lot better. And it's been amazing. It's been I amazing. Love, I love how sense. you but see the silver lining in things. So you got to, man. You have to. And it, it's, it really has been beautiful, though. You know, it's been an awesome thing. We've been going on little walks and hikes and yeah, we're never going to get this time back, you know? So I think it's important for us to just look at this as this is a moment in time that we're going to look back and just say, if you ever wish that you could have had more time doing this, now is your opportunity. Now is the time. Now is the time. 
there, there's no there's no annoying meetings that takes you away from your traveling time. I'm I'm sure the the traffic in LA usually is probably not very good, just like New York City. So you get to right. save all that time commuting around the city or back and forth from home to your office to your properties. Am I correct? It takes me about 45 minutes each way to get to my from from my house to the office, oh. and like that's probably a three mile drive. You know, yeah. so to put it into perspective, it's it's an absurd amount of traffic in LA, but yeah, I mean, my car hasn't been driven in maybe a month and a half, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's being neglected in my life right now. But yeah, it's, it's really refreshing. It's really refreshing and you know, the, the market has obviously completely changed. I know we're gonna be talking a lot about that, but it, it's, it's the same all across the States, it seems like, you know, um, there, there's new opportunities that are gonna come out of this, but for the time being, we're all stuck at home, left to basically create strategy around how we're going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, no, I can understand. Everybody's shifting lifestyles now, uh, either working for them or against them. And for you, I, you know, I like the observation of you just being able to see the silver lining and things. And that this is exactly the time that we should be taking advantage of working on other things in our life. Yeah. And for yep. you, that's so, so that's great. Uh, just to just for our listeners to give you a brief introduction. Uh, just tell us about how you got into the business, you know, your early years. Uh, and then my second part of the question is how did your shift into compass work? Like what made you decide to join? How did that start? So you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but I started in the business in 07 and I launched, you know, meaning I, I got licensed in 07 in the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the industry shifted entirely to a distressed market. And so the market was dealing primarily with short sales and foreclosures at that yeah. time. And so I, I was dealing with a lot of the lenders and I realized there was a big opportunity. Started a uh, short sale company in 08, um, did that until about 2011. And I, you know, then I merged with Coldwell Banker at that time, uh, left the industry entirely to start a tech venture. I'm just passionate about building things in general. Sure. Um, and so I started these companies from ground up and ultimately did that until like mid 2014. I got connected with, uh, with, with uh, Rob Rufkin in, in uh, mid 2014, 15-ish. And call then, you? you know. Did he call you or did someone call you? We got connected through mutual friends. Okay. We actually know some of the same people. And, okay. you know, he had a wild and, and very ambitious plan to, to build this, what, what seemed like a small boutique type brokerage. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was in New York. It was in Boston. DC. Uh, DC and just launched Miami at that time. Okay, like yeah, yeah. Very Barely. And, you know, the concept of, of starting something new obviously is not new to me and wanting to be involved in something from the very beginning is something that, that I've always, um, you know, I, I've always kind of uh, been, been interested in that. And so it was an exciting time. And I don't think that, any, you know, anyone is really going to understand just how different of a time it was because people now look at Compass as this huge company. But on the West Coast, it, it wasn't known. Literally, no one was there. And so, you know, it was a huge leap of faith, I guess, on both our parts. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it obviously turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's for some agents, it takes, you know, 10 meetings, 20 meetings to feel comfortable. It seems like maybe for you, you were kind of, you, you like the, the change, yeah. you like the risk. Yeah, the funny thing is, that was like, a, you know, and Rob, Rob may tell you this, but... Uh, <laughs> 
you, you like I basically bought in after the first conversation we had. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't tell him that, but yeah. yeah, yeah, when he told me what he was doing, I came back home. I talked to my wife, and I knew at that moment that regardless of what her response was going to be. <laughs> I was going to find a salesman approach around how to convince her that this was the right idea. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, she agreed. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's been an incredible almost five years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Been, and I know that already. you, you were there. The, yeah, what were you like? I was there. I was the second broker to join. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Well, and, and, so that that's the thing is like it's it's amazing for me to talk about that out here in LA and people are like oh my god wow you know yeah uh, you've been there that long but when you think about you and and some of the other agents who started literally from day one I know that the model kind of pivoted a couple of times too that's that's a lot of loyalty and I I, I respect that because you know it started off with something slightly different and then it kind of morphed into a different yeah. bit of a model. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're all agents and, and, and we're nothing without our clients. So you, if, as long as you're, you're comfortable knowing that your clients are coming with you, there's really no risk, right? You could always go back to another agency. They're going to follow you wherever you go. The real risk is just time and investment. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, to that point, the downtime that we had, normally the transition process is a nightmare. Yeah. But I remember in the early days when the first agents who were coming on board, staff literally was going to their houses to help move their computer and their material over to the office for them. Oh my God. It was a very hand-holding experience and, you know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to remember. It, so when you joined, did you have, uh, you already had a team uh, with you, correct? Or no, was it just- I had like two people with me at that time. Was oh, that right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I had just started back in the business as being an agent. Yeah. You know, I knew that my goal was to ultimately build a big team, but you know, you start small and then you, you organically build up. And at that time it was me and two other people. Uh, and, you know, from there it grew to a third and a fourth. And now we're, we've got about 20 people on the team. I see. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. That's an impressive amount of growth. Um, I, I gotta say they, that when you handled my referral, uh, you know, obviously every client is different. Some people have great personalities. Some people have difficult personalities. I would have to say the, the, investor that I refer to you may have not been the easiest personality to work with, but you meticulously uh, were able to handle her and guide her. And uh, it, it takes a, a certain type of leadership to be able to uh, mix and match uh, these personalities to ensure that, you know, their experience is seamless and, um, you know, at the, at the highest end possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, what, first off, I was so grateful for the opportunity but the way my team operates is, is we, you know, we, we've got incredible agents within the, yeah. the organization. And so I can pretty quickly determine based off the personality fit, is it a client that I personally have to service, right? Or yes. is it someone that would be best served by an agent on my team who arguably is better with a personality type like that? And yeah. so that's where I think we're a little bit different is we really are... Uh, pretty versatile. So like we can work with a, a wide variety of clients and that was a, a great success story. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And it, you know, it, not every agent is, has the capability of doing that because, you know, if you're just a one man show and yeah, it might be really good, but you may not be good with all personalities. It, it can be hard not to have other options. Yeah. But, we, we've got a really, really fun team and very eclectic personalities and just very diverse and, and come from all different backgrounds. And so, 
I'm confident to say that, you know, no matter who it is, we're probably going to be able to, to take care of them pretty well. So if you're a listener right now, you heard it. You know, Ari has his personality, but he also has a team that's able to handle all sorts of people. So, uh, you know, if you're listening, please keep that in mind uh, if, if you have yeah. somebody for the L.A. market or if you yourself is looking for something in the L.A. market. Uh, so just to, let's just jump into, you know, what we're talking about today and what's on everybody's minds is COVID-19. You know, again, so New York City shut down, can't do anything. I know in LA, you guys are considered essential. Uh, just, just briefly, you know, talk to me a few minutes about what's going on today in LA. So it was a slow uh, process to basically come to a full stop, really. I mean, I think that yeah, right. was, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I think there was talk around you, you can show property and then you can't. And then I think California actually became the first state to adopt a safer at home policy. And then that became a safe at home or stay at home policy. And then that ultimately translated to the real estate industry having to, you know, uh, be quarantined, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately it became labeled as an essential business in the state of California. Yeah. But the m local municipalities have to actually, they, they, they supersede whatever the state says. Yeah. So the local mayor basically came out and said that you're not allowed to go out and to show property. And that if you do, you've got to sign these waivers. And uh, that's ultimately when the whole machine turned off. Okay. Uh, sellers who we were working with before who said, why don't you keep the property on the market? We then had conversations with them about, let's put it on withdraw or hold, you know, for the time being until the market fully rebounds. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it ended up just coming to a full halt and everyone just really staying at home. Right. Deals that you had that were in contract continued to go on. Some pulled out. Uh, just because, you know, they, they didn't know where the market was headed and some of the clients actually lost a lot of their uh, liquidity through the stock market. Yeah, yep. uh, It was a pretty scary time. And so, yeah, it was scary for all of us. And I think we're starting to feel over here in LA like the worst has passed us. Yeah. Um, I've always remained optimistic, you know. Uh, I, I feel like this was a reset that the entire world needed. Mm. But... Okay. At the end of the day, you know, we, we still are a little handicapped in the sense of we're not able to go out and to do the exact same things that we used to do in terms of showing clients and, you know, bringing properties to market when we want to. Uh, sellers are still bringing properties to market if they have to or if they feel like there may be a good opportunity, but I'm not encouraging them to do that right now. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about the numbers in the market right now. What, sure. what was the first quarter of 2020 like for you business-wise compared to last year first quarter? And then second part of the question will be how many listings are on the market and then how many more or less, I guess it's probably going to be less, but are, were on the market this time last year. So we actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful, but we actually had a uh, very similar Q1 as we did to last year. The numbers were near identical. We've done about 40 million in sales so far in Q1, you know, our <laughs> very casual <laughs> yeah no i mean look i always say that with a sense of I, I we have a target of 300 million for the year sure so it's i guess it's good all things considered but in reality you know we we had higher expectations but you know look i'll take that all day long I yeah mean, absolutely you know i'm just happy that everyone was kind of like safe and all that but but sure. the, the numbers didn't really check out to be all that different um for us year over year. Okay. I think that what we're going to expect to see a drastic slowdown is obviously in this upcoming Q2. Yeah. The right. entire industry is going to see yeah. that. Yeah. The LA market has experienced that as a whole. 
Um, what I am going to attempt to do right now, and you're going to have to bear with me. Sure, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to try and do this uh, share screen Perfect. so that I can share some of these numbers with you guys in terms of uh, data that we're seeing. I don't know if you can see oh, no, that. I can see it. Yeah, nice. So we actually created this for our team, for the agents within our team to be able to communicate with clients in terms of what exactly has gone on. And I can try and increase the size of this. Oh, well, I don't want to mess up anything. Fine. Yeah, we, we can see it. But this is, you know, this basically, if you look at the tabs at the bottom, this is the Beverly Hills market. This is Beverly Hills post office. This is Bel Air, Hollywood Hills. And oh, this, wow. this takes us all the way back to the last great financial crisis. Yeah. So you can see the average sale price as an example in column B in 2009 was 2.7 million. Yeah. And then when we started to experience that U-shaped recovery in the last recession, you see that the numbers start to gradually increase and grow, right? All the way up until- 17. Well, actually we, we did all the way until 19. 19, wow. Six that. and a half million, right? My goodness. So, and then you see the average price per square foot and you see the average days on market. What's an important trend to, to notice over here is we feel like the market really peaked in this last, um, in this last kind of, uh, upswing sure. in 2017, 18, really. If, if you look at these numbers over here, you can notice that the average price per square foot in 18, in this particular market in Bel Air, was higher than it was in 2019, which was $904 per foot, which is 986 per foot. Interesting. The year before that was actually identical to 2019. So that to me tells me that certainly in the Bel Air market, there was somewhat of a bottoming. You look at the Hollywood Hills and you see where it starts which is, and you can just tell me at any point in time if this is too much information. Oh, fine. But you look at this in, in 09 in column B over here, you see that the average price per square foot in the Hollywood Hills was $558 per foot right. at an average price of 1.5 million in 2009. Fast right. forward all the way to 2019, shot up to 872 per foot at 2.5, right? Interesting. So, why this was important for us to be able to compile was because we wanted to understand, are there going to be any common threads between the last downturn and the last market and what we can expect to see coming out of this? I think that the commonality, the common denominator that we're going to expect to see, you can see my agents actually in the top right corner. They're, they're on it. They're all on it right now, which is great. Yep. Uh, work. But what, what you can expect to see here, I, I anticipate a common recovery period likely to be a U-shaped recovery versus a you know, V-shaped recovery, right? Yep. Um, and so it's probably gonna take us until the end of 2021 to start to see that gradual rebound like we saw in, you know, in this market okay. over here, in the Hollywood yeah. Hills, you can see 2011 yeah. um, started, it was the bottom because you see two, you know, uh, 2010 was 547. Yeah. 527, and then it went to 565, okay. 665, 773. Perfect. So that's what we're seeing. That's what we're expecting. Okay. Um, and, you know, for the markets who are outside of LA, it's important for you guys to see. I mean, this is, we're tracking every micro market in LA. So Brentwood, Pacific Palisades, Santa Monica, Los Feliz, Silver Lake, downtown LA, Sherman Oaks. I mean, this literally covers every micro market that is doing business 
um, so that we know what's going on. And anytime we get referred to clients or a client, you know, comes to us with this kind of information, we're able to provide them with, uh, with accurate data. Where, where are we right now as, as of the COVID-19 crisis in terms of performance of the market? Is it, has the price per square foot gone down or is it kind yeah. of too early to tell? Well, it's, it's both. The price per square foot has gone down because that's naturally the way that the market was trending anyway. Yeah. But what I think we're going to be seeing coming out of this is, is that the market is going to experience a shock in the sense that we're going to see a huge supply come to market, sure. but met with a huge pool of buyers actively looking to buy because they feel like the bottom of the market has probably come. And if it hasn't come now, it's going to be within the next six to 12 months. You think it'll counteract each other, which will result in a, maybe a somewhat of a more stable market, but may not be an upward market. Yeah. We were, we were dealing with a balanced market over the last 18 months, mm -hmm. you know, trending towards a balanced market. I think that now we're in a buyer's market. And I think that over the next 12 to 18, 18 months, that's going to transition back to a balanced market before it goes back to a seller's market. Gotcha. And I think that it's going to be a seller's market again in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, to where they can put a property on the market at a price that they feel like it's worth and, and likely get it as long as it's within reason. Understood. But buyers right now have their pick of the litter. And, and, you know, the concern that I have for the market as a whole is that there's going to be a flood of inventory. And I'm talking about when we're representing sellers. Yeah, sure. Being a flood of inventory hit the market at the exact same time as all of the other sellers are putting their property on the market. <laughs> So it's like, how do you make that that listing that you have stick out more than anything else? Yeah, uh, because you have to deal with breaking through all the noise, and so that's 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 a, a real issue that I think everyone is going to have to deal with. Big challenge, right? It's like ready, set, go, and then it's like water. It's like turning the spout on full blast, and then just exactly right. Yeah, and then just water coming out. Uh, talk to me about the listings you have. You have five listings right now in uh, quote unquote coming soon mode. So, you know, what, what are those sellers? You don't have to get into detail of any one in particular, but what are their thought processes on, you know, putting it on the market in, in a time like this? So we've had conversations with the sellers who we were planning on coming soon. Like out of those five, I'd say four out of the five were actually planning on coming on this month. Is that right? But Oh, yeah, but and actually one last month, so that, that should deal with the five. But considering the times, we've encouraged them to hold off until, until we get back to a market to where we can show property as normally as we, we used to be able to. Uh -huh. uh, I just feel like it's a huge disadvantage to, to a seller to try and sell a property unless it gets the full exposure and the right you know, potential opportunity. And you're not doing that right now when everyone is technically quarantined. Right. You're not supposed to be looking at homes anyway. And what percentage of buyers are going to buy off a virtual floor plan or a... Exactly plan? right. That's exactly... So let's just say 5% of the total buyer audience is willing to take the risk to go out and to go see property. Of that 5%, you know, the total 100, let's just call it, how many of those 5% are actually going to pay you the kind of money that you want for your home? So you're rolling the dice and it's like, if you can afford to, to wait... You, you should, absolutely. Like yeah. you should not bring your property to market unless you absolutely have to right now. And that's the message that we're, we're, we're sharing with clients. And, and, the, and with buyers, I think that there's a huge opportunity. Um, so my message to buyers is get your finances in a row right now. Sure. To know exactly what you're qualified for so that when that switch gets turned to green, you're going to be able to just come out of the gate swinging and, and pick up the property that you want. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's good advice. That's good advice for most 
for most any buyer out there right now, uh, especially in a market like this. Um, talk to me about your, you know, how you're communicating right now with uh, some of your sellers that are off market. I mean, are they nervous? And maybe also your buyers too. Are they nervous that, are they maybe hopeful, buyers may be hopeful that property market, property values may tank. That's why, you know, that's what buyers always love to think in their own auspicious ways. Uh, and yeah. then sellers sometimes like to think in their own auspicious ways, but with the COVID-19 crisis going on, you know, some of them may be nervous or some of them may be um, reluctant to put their homes on the market after the quarantine period ends. So, you know, going into the next 30 days, you know, how, how are you managing those uh, expectations with these people? So, I mean, I think that right now there's still a little bit of posturing that's going on between sellers and even us. Like our clients don't want to fully tilt their cards to us to say, I'm, I need to get out right now. Yeah, so of course. Yeah. Whatever we have to do. Um, but I think that within the ones that I have a close personal relationship with, they're very candid. I mean, I think a lot of sellers realize that they've probably lost a little bit of imagine, imagine, imaginary equity that sure. was in their minds yep. of, oh, I thought my house was worth equity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. So, I mean, like the, the, if they thought their house was worth $5 million, in their mind, but they really knew that it was worth four and a half. They realized that they're going to have to come onto the market at like, I don't know, four, three to right. be competitive. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing, I, I guess, a punch to the gut for them is, is the, the realization that that dream fantasy world of aspirational pricing is over, right? Uh, which has made it a little, little tough, uh, you know, a tough pill for them to swallow. Um, and so we're just saying, you know, having those tough conversations to say, listen, I know that you thought that it was a, $15 million property, but it's, yeah. you know, it really is the 12 million that I've been telling you this whole time. So right. <laughs> the use, gut this downtime, use this downtime to come to reality. Oh boy. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, as far as, uh, it, you know, the other, let's just say in COVID-19, you know, I just heard some news regarding other uh, agencies may not be doing as well. Maybe your competition, uh, your other brokerages that are, in, are, our competitors, non-compass brokers, are uh, maybe reducing their uh, staff, or they're uh, letting go of agents, or, or they're let, letting go of, uh, you know, let's just say Redfin. They're letting go of their salary people. Uh, do you see that happening within once, let's just say, the market opens up? Do you see a lessening of brokers that are your competition? Thus, it might make things a little bit easier for you, or is that is that something that you have no idea and might not be able to foresee? Yeah, I mean, I kind of half smile at this one because I, I, I know that with any market downturn, it's just going to mean less competition. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I think a lot of people got into the business because they thought that, look, I don't want to say it in any way aside from the reality is, is this is a very difficult business if you're a high producing agent to maintain and to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think that the agents who came in thinking that this was going to be a walk in the park are, are maybe not going to be able to stay around during this downturn because mm -hmm. things are going to become, they're, they're going to, you know, get, 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 you know, tighter and tighter. Uh, and I see that the agents are going to have to find other opportunities um, right. to, to provide, you know, for, for their lives. Um, but yeah, we're seeing that Compass is continuing to gain more market share uh, naturally, even before COVID. And I think that that trend will likely continue. I think that the really good boutique brokerages who are run well and operated well, and there are some in LA for sure, I think they're going to continue to do well. You know, they're like we kicked off the beginning of part of our conversation. 
clients work with, for the most part, the agents. So if you have that relationship with that agent, you know, you can be at, at a no-name brokerage and still earn the relationship of that client. Uh, I, I still think that there is going to be a strong market for, for those people. Um, but it's definitely going to change the market and the landscape of it. I think that some brokerages are going to go out of business, um, right. which is unfortunate because I, I yeah. believe in healthy competition. Absolutely. But Absolutely. it's just the reality. I mean, you know, I've got so many friends who have local businesses over here who are having to close down doors. Restaurants. What it was yeah, I mean, good right. friends of mine own, you know, restaurants and, and um, you know, just local businesses. And, and huh. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it. And it's that, that part is the most difficult part for me as a friend to kind of have to be involved and, and see that happen locally. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's the, 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 the part of the LA landscape that I'm most concerned with is, um, is the local businesses. I feel like people looking, people are always going to need shelter. They're always going to need food, but maybe now they need food bought from the market cooked at home. Right. Instead of you know, a restaurant. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Cause maybe yeah. they're afraid of that restaurant experience now <laughs> and what they may get, or maybe afraid of going to the movie. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, seeing what happens over there. So that, you know, that, that part for me is what I'm still trying to, to see, you know, how it all shakes out. But, you know, the real estate industry, long-winded answer, uh, I think is going to be very similar to the last market downturn. Um, and then as the market picks back up, you're going to see probably those same people or a new pool of people come back into, in, into the business. Okay, great. Um, I'm just going to go to the last few minutes of this. If you don't mind, actually, could you just close your uh, shared screen? I'll cut this part. I'll cut this part sure. out. Podcast so that I could see your face and then I could have more, a better edit feature when you're talking. Because when you're yeah. on the shared screen, your face is only this big. Um, anyways, so, uh, you know, as far as today, your business, how are you shifting your, you know, operation marketing strategy uh, now that you're just at home? Like, what are you doing differently Obviously, you're spending a lot of time with your family and your kids, and that's great. Uh, but in terms of now, you're not going to the office. You're not really talking face-to-face -face with your team anymore. Uh, what are you doing differently in terms of marketing and, and just your business operation in general? So marketing, I would say, has pretty much been put on pause just yeah. because I feel like it's it's foolish to th and it's arguably insensitive to throw to, to throw marketing out there to clients who are going through a really difficult time who don't even know what's going to happen. And Absolutely. you're trying to get a say, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but right. we're definitely not proactive in that approach where we have doubled up heavily is on infrastructure, internal, uh, just organization setting up properly, you know, doubling down on CRM, um, using tools like, uh, you know, even, are you familiar with platforms like Asana? Sure. Um, yeah. Trello, so things like that that will actually help us with just another layer of, layer of organization, timelines, deadlines, when we want to roll certain initiatives out. Good. Um, and then really kind of putting a game plan around that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just doubling down on data and learning information and learning about trends, arming our, our team with this information so that when they are focused on their specific market, whether it be Silver Lake or Bel Air or, you know, West Hollywood, they know exactly what the narrative is going to be for the client when that right time comes along. I see. Um, a lot of us still fielding calls from clients who are just trying to get information on what they recommend we do. Mm -hmm. But we, so we just want to make sure we have all the right answers to be able to provide for them. Got it. So you're essentially gearing up to make sure that ensure that as soon as the gates are open, you guys are more than ready to just start sprinting off the gold line. 
Yeah, and I will tell you this, we have not taken a minute off uh, this, this, yeah, yeah. I mean, like literally, I'm at, I may be more busier now than I, ha than I was before. Yeah. I'm just more focused because I'm not having to run around town. Yeah, more focused, traffic, which is, yeah. Which is been, yeah, it's been great. Um, but you know, same staff in place and you know, we're, we're just chugging along. Gotta crank away. Uh, speaking of your staff, you know, what, what do you look for when you hire? I mean, you have such a big team and, and you've grown over the years. What do you have it? What do you, what do you look for when you hire, uh, uh, someone on your team? Like what, what are some of the characteristics or questions you may ask for at an interview or sorry, it's shifting gears from COVID now, but uh, no, no, not at all, man. I mean, what, I, what's, what's the, what's the, what's some of the, what's a tip that you can maybe give to a listener in, in terms of hiring? It's a great question. Um, I think the most important thing for me is understanding that the person has uh, a that that fundamentally they are a good person um, and that they have the right intentions. Number one. Number two is that they absolutely have to be aligned with the vision that we have set forth, so that they understand why we're doing what we're doing, even if it's a minute uh, task. Right? It, right. It, to them, it all translates to the bigger vision. Um, and, and three is, is just that, you know, they are a team player and that they have a, a, an ability to want to be able to connect with people. Like, I don't care if you're the more, most talented person in the world. Um, we feel like we can grow and build talent. Sure. What I care most about is, are you trainable, coachable and willing to grow? And do you believe in this aspirational vision that we have set out for, for us as a team? And if you can get behind that idea and you're willing to just open up and not have like, you know, just such a tight guard around every person on the team, then we're going to be successful together. Mm. And, um, you know, the team structure isn't for everyone, you know, just it's it, some people love some of my closest friends in the business. They just have one assistant. They don't even understand these spreadsheets because they're like, why do you even bother spending time doing with that? Why don't you just, pick up the phone and call a client who may refer you to more clients. Like, I don't know the answer to that, but I know that this <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. only way my work. Um, and this problem. is what I'm passionate about, yeah. you know? And, uh, and, and so for me, it's like, if I can align myself with people who can offset my weaknesses and I have a lot of weaknesses, uh, what are they? We're, we're going to win. You're perfect. on I paper. Hate, <laughs> I, I hate compiling data. I, I hate, <laughs> I hate sitting here plugging in information. I hate having to write contracts. Okay. So the very first thing that I did was I brought a person onto the team who could handle all, you know, contracting people. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you handle this lane so that I can go out and be, you know, um, just consumer facing, right? Like good I'll, I'll go from, from uh, good job from firing yourself from some jobs. Oh yeah. I mean, I've fired myself from so many jobs and I wouldn't hire myself in a lot of areas too. Uh -huh. um, I mean, like even social media, you know, like I, I used to run a social media management company, but I'll tell you, I've got ideas even for our own page where like some of like the cooler hipper people on the team are like, eh, don't know. <laughs> oh man. Uh, last question, uh, non COVID related since you, you know, since you are Ari, the Ari offshore, uh, what, what, are your strategies that you employ to get yourself ahead of the competition? Because I, I asked you this question because in LA, I feel like LA is so competitive yeah. because 
I mean, you have to either know a celebrity or you have to know an athlete or you have to know someone in Hollywood or, I mean, it's such a big market there. And how do you gain an edge against not just the other big quote unquote agencies, but maybe even some of the compass brokers because we're so big, you know, we have so many offices in your state. Yeah, that's the thing that actually hurts me the most is like, yeah, it used to be this cute idea of like, you know, we're, we're a team, we're, you know, Compass and we work, you know, yeah. now it's, there's not an agent that isn't at Compass. <laughs> so that definitely took a little strategy shifting. But I mean, the, the truth is this, I don't look at what anyone else is doing for better or for worse. I have zero idea of what top producers are doing even at Compass or not at Compass, because I really don't care. Yeah. Um, what I'm doing is I'm diving deep into the ultimate goal that we have. Sure. And I'm thinking in my mind, along with the team of, of, of great minds that I have on the team, what do we feel like collectively it's going to take for us to get there? Yeah. And let's move as fast as we can, you know, to make that happen. And so, it, it's not, it's a, it's a vague way of answering the question that you have, but it's like, in terms of what, what is our competitive advantage or what are we doing? I know where we're going. Like yeah. you're, you're not going to take me off of the tracks. Yeah. So everything that is a distraction to me, I've got tunnel vision. So I'm not going to engage in certain activities that I feel like are going to get me away from X, Y, and Z because sure. that's where we're going. And sure. so I don't have time for the, the, the small chat or conversation or, time to look at, well, what are other, where are other agents advertising? Maybe that's a good place. I'm already behind the curve if that's how my mind is thinking. Sure. If I'm thinking other agents are doing this, well, now I'm already falling behind them in certain areas, you know? There's a great agent in our market who does a lot of retargeting, you know, in terms of like marketing, um, where they do display ads, where you go on a different website. They do a great job. I have no interest now <laughs> in, in entering. That's not your game. Yeah. They already beat me to the punch and I only know that because I'll casually go on to ESPN.com and I'll see an ad or you know <laughs> so it's like I know now my lanes just have to be narrowed specific and focused and and let's just be the best at what we can be the best at and yeah. beat everyone to the punch yeah no that's amazing man yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say I mean LA is such a such a competitive market there's a lot of brokers and there's just so many high profile people I mean everybody's somebody that knows somebody right so, you know, I, I really, it's, like, it's like New York, though, isn't it? New well, York I think is New York the same. a lot different. New York City is kind of more focused on, you know, you got Wall Street tech, you got law, you got medical, but then, but, you know, it's very, very individualized and it's not necessarily Hollywood. It's not the celebrity scene. It's more, it's more kind of, it's more, I think, sectionalized in, in terms of markets and who you know. Um, more fragmented. Know, that the, it's very fragmented. So you know, even in just Wall Street, you know, it's not like the one hedge fund, the one hedge fund manager that I know is you know connected to the one tech guy that you know everybody runs and works with. I mean, I, I feel like it's very very fragmented in in a way. You also have a lot of non-resident owners in New York City. They live in Montana. They live in you know Bozeman, Montana. So it's like they're just kind of isolated by themselves, or they live in yeah. you know, Fairfax, Virginia. Yeah, it's like it's right. not like they have a lot of New York ties anymore. So it's yeah. extremely fragmented. So yeah. But anyways, LA, uh, LA, LA is hyper competitive, and you know I think that the key for us is we maintain great relationships with all agents. Sure. Um, so that when our when our deal comes to the table, and when there's an opportunity for us to compete against another agent, that relationship helps us win. That's the that's the only thing within the industry within the agents 
that I can say we probably do a good job of uh, is, you know, just play nice. Um, you know, take care of each other and, and it'll come around. That's some brilliant advice, Ari. I, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining. Uh, guys, I'm going to plug Ari's contact information uh, and social media handles in, this, in the next post here. So feel free to reach out to him directly if you have any other questions. Uh, again, a top agent in his market. Uh, he kind of dropped knowledge on COVID-19. And, and what I'm getting from it is, you know, I, we're strong. We're going to fight through this. As soon as we get through this, things aren't going to be that much different. So that's my takeaway, having a conversation with you today. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience about yourself? I just or? want to say you're awesome, man. I think it's it, it's so inspiring to me when I see incredible agents like you who who just have such a great story that spend this time to share with other people. This is the connectivity that I'm talking about that allows us to kind of have that competitive advantage. And it's it's the rule of life. You know, you, you give it away. Yeah. And you got to keep giving it away. And I, and I think that that's how you're going to win in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you got to have the abundance abundance mentality, right? That's what Rufkin always right. says. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my, my favorite words, abundance. <laughs> yes, there is abundance. Uh, listen, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, again, listeners, uh, we'll, you know, uh, Ari's, uh, Ari's one of the best guys out there. So uh, always reach out to him if you have any LEDs. Uh, Ari, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. And thanks for your time. Thank you so much, man. We'll chat. Take care. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,